طيب بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل لقدة من لساني يفقه قولي My dear brothers and sisters in Islam السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته We can do better than that. Come on, brothers. Barakallahu feek. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So welcome to uh, our particular program after Salatul Maghrib. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for blessing us to observe Salatul Maghrib in congregation together on the water. Alhamdulillah, after spending time listening to uh, some lessons from that taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Indeed, that is nurun ala nur. Right? The different acts of worship are rolling one after the other. Wallahi, this is a blessed, blessed uh, gathering and that's what I was trying to get across um, in our introduction uh, or that short session uh, that we had whilst we were heading out just before Maghrib. Alhamdulillah, I am told that we are now anchored. That noise you heard wasn't the engines breaking up, it was the anchor going down. So uh, please don't worry. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, um, Surah Nuh. Surah Nuh is uh, a surah that was revealed before the hijrah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to uh, Medina. And that makes the surah uh, a Meccan, uh, sorry, a, a, a Meccan surah. A Meccan surah. A Meccan surah or Meccan surahs are those surahs that were revealed before the hijrah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to uh, Medina. Um, the study of uh, Makki versus Madani or surahs revealed before Hijrah as opposed to after Hijrah is an interesting one because that in itself uh, further beautifies uh, anyone's journey with the Quran. And uh, we know that the Quran was revealed over a period of 23 years and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was revealing as per need and situation. And we see uh, how amazing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was uh, in teaching the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and how appropriate instructions were and the appropriate times that these instructions came in and even the, the, the function and structure of uh, the instruction. So if you note uh, in Surah Nuh, you find this very short ayat. The ayat are very short. And uh, the ayat are free of jurisprudence. There's no Islamic laws uh, in Surah Nuh, right? And this is uh, a norm with all revelation before the hijrah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Medina. Because in the Meccan period, the first 13 years of Islam, or the first 13 years of the, the, the prophethood of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was dealing mainly with a people that were shackled um, and chained to polytheism. They were imprisoned by idol worship. They were imprisoned by many values that we would not call ideals. They were a people that chose to put their intellect before revelation. Right? If we can call it intellect. If we can call it that. So basically if something didn't make sense to them, they would uh, reject revelation. Right? There's many examples of this. Right? In, in, even in, in terms of their worship. For example, for example, we would see that they were a people that would be happy to uh, observe the tawaf and circumambulate the Kaaba uh, clothless, right? Because uh, to their minds, they felt that uh, the skin was purer than clothing. Skin was from Allah subhanahu wa taala, whilst clothing is something manufactured by man. So they would 
uh, find it normal to engage in this practice. Uh, some of the scholars of history have said that Rasulullah uh, actually performed Hajj before he became the Prophet. Before he became a Prophet. He performed one Hajj after he became a Prophet, but he performed Hajj before he became a Prophet. And they differed with regards to how many times they actually performed this Hajj. But they say that he would be a standalone person on the plains of Arafah on the day of Arafah. Why? Because the Quraysh, they tweaked the Hajj. And they would stand on Muzdalifah during, or on the day of Arafah, they would stand on Muzdalifah. Why? Because they, they said that Muzdalifah is part of the Holy Lands. And Arafah is outside of the Holy Lands. So it makes more sense to stand on an amazing day such as Arafah in the Holy Lands as opposed to on Arafah which is outside of the Holy Sanctuary, right? The Haram Sanctuary, right? So they would stand on Muzdalifah. This is the type of people they were. Right, so the Quran came down with a message appropriate to the people that were receiving this message. So we find shorter ayat. Why? Because you're chiseling away. You're chiseling away at a heart that is covered with polytheism and idolatry and idol worship and so on and so forth. So, you know, you don't want to break a person, but rather you want to break away the impurity. And that's why you find those who, uh, you know, they, 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 practice, uh, they, they practice the art of... of um, uh, molding things uh, and creating sculptures and so on and so forth. They don't they don't knock a stone very hard. They chisel at it. When you chisel at it, you remove that which you want removed, whilst you keep the main frame and that which is important to move forward. So we find Allah Subhanahu wa Taala revealing shorter ayat, chiseling away at these hearts that were shackled uh, in the chains of. Uh, disbelief. This is one of the important attributes and characteristics of ayat that were revealed before Hijrah to Medina. Also, we don't find fiqh uh, in the revelation uh, before uh, Hijrah to Medina. We find fiqh in a greater way in the revelation after Hijrah. Why? Because after Hijrah now we had a group of people upon belief. A group of people ready to accept. They were not questioning belief in Allah. They were not questioning the life of the hereafter. They believed in Allah and they believed in the hereafter. They were ready to receive further instruction. Thus we find the ayat of wudu and inheritance and so on and so forth being revealed after the hijrah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Medina. Right? So these are some of the characteristics. Surah Nuh is a Meccan surah. In it, we find uh, the struggle of a prophet from the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a messenger from the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with these people. And it was revealed at a time when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was having this same struggle. He was dealing with the people that did not want to afford him an attentive ear, a diligent ear. They chose a path that lacked diligence, a path that lacked common sense. And they were pleased with that which they were upon. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ayat telling him about a brother from his brothers, a fellow prophet depicting his life so that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam can take inspiration, can take lesson. And not just Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but the ummah at large. Because you and I both know, my dear brothers and sisters, that prophethood after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was not transferred to one man. He was the final prophet. The legacy of prophethood was transferred to an entire ummah. And that is you and me, my dear brothers and sisters. Right? 
an entire ummah received the legacy of prophethood after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, this ummah, you and me, that you are the best of all nations. You are the best of all nations. Right? Now many of us, of course, we pat ourselves on the back, say we are the best of all nations. Yes, we will enter Jannah first, before any other nation. This is a gift that Allah has given this ummah. We came at the end, but we will enter Jannah first. Yes, we will make up most of the inhabitants of Jannah. This is a gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given this ummah. And yes, Allah has said, Kuntum khayra ummatin nas. You are the best of all people. We pat ourselves on the back, we carry this title of being the best. We are the most excellent of nations. But understand brothers and sisters, it comes with substance. It comes with substance. And that is, or the substance I'm speaking about, is the fact that you and I are carriers of the legacy of the best people that walk the face of this earth. The Anbiya Because we are the carriers of that legacy, we become the best of all nations. Because nations before us, they never carried this legacy. Right? The legacy of Prophet was on one man, the Prophet that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent. And as I said, after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that legacy has been transferred to an entire people, not to one man. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the fourth juice, after He tells us, in the first quarter, after He tells us, you are the best of all people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us why? That you invite towards good, and you prevent from evil, and you believe in Allah. This is why you are the best of all people. Because this was, this was what, the Anbiya used to do. They used to invite towards good, prevent from evil, believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Invite towards belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So we carry that job description. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us diligent with the task that has been placed on our shoulders. So the surah is meant to inspire Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and inspire the ummah at large, all those who will carry the legacy of the prophets. Take inspiration, take lessons. Now, there's many uh, what we can call objectives that we find in Surah Nuh. There are many uh, objectives. Um, from the objectives of the Surah is to actually learn, learn the difficulties that the Anbiya والسلام, went through. And to learn the principles of da'wah. Or some of the principles of da'wah. And to learn the characteristics of a propagator. The one who invites to Allah. This is from the, remember earlier, just before Maghrib, we said, we need to ponder over the Qur'an, right? The Qur'an was revealed, and it also had an objective. And that objective was to clarify for us, right? Uh, you know, implications related to belief and to action. And we call it Al-Athar Al-Imani Wal-Amali, right? To, to understand, there's, there's objectives behind the ayat that were revealed. And that was the development of our Iman and our actions. So when we understand this, when we look at any surah, we can ask ourselves that, okay, what are the objectives of the surah? The surah has objectives. Because Allah has put together ayat in one frame. The surah makes the frame, in it there's ayat. Right? So what are the objectives of this framework of ayat that Allah has revealed? From it is to learn the characteristics of prophethood. To learn the principles of da'wah. Right? And from it is to teach us, to teach us, the situation of mankind very early on, after mankind inhabited this earth. Because we know Nuh was the first messenger. 
Adam السلام, was the first prophet. Nuh السلام, was the first messenger. Right? And there's a difference between a prophet and a messenger, or a nabi and a rasul. Right? Some of the scholars have uh, described the differences in different ways, but perhaps the closest opinion, and Allah knows best, is that a messenger is a person who went to a people, who went to a people that digressed from the message that came to them when the previous prophet was with them. Right? And a messenger is a person that was sent to a people with a revelation, with a new revelation. Right? Whilst the prophet is someone who went to a people with the same revelation that was given before, or someone who went to a people that were upon upon guidance, upon the message of the Prophet that visited them before. This perhaps is, 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 is an ideal way of understanding the difference between a Prophet and a Messenger give, uh, after looking at all the evidences uh, in the Qur'an, in the Sunnah that describe a Messenger uh, and a Prophet. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But Nuh alayhi salam was the first Messenger. And he came after Adam alayhi salam. So we're talking about life of, of human beings very early on on earth. Surah Nuh gives us an idea of their situation. Their situation. And we will see certain things that exist today that we shouldn't be, you know, shocked about. But rather we should understand that these things exist today and you know what? It seems to be part and parcel with mankind. Because very early on, in a different place, in a different space, in a different time, these things existed. At the time of Nuh, there weren't big buildings or internet. Right? Or misconceptions of people being spread via smartphones. Right? The, the, the challenges we have today didn't exist then. But the net result of some of what we see today existed then. Surah Nuh teaches us that. Also, in Surah Nuh, we learn some universal laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is also one of the objectives of the Quran. To teach us some of the universal laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These unchangeable laws. Right? There's, there's many of for those who ponder over the Quran when you when you when you recite the Quran you'll actually pick up from it subhanallah these are universal laws like in physics we have the laws of physics right they're static when you read the Quran time and time again pondering over the ayat you actually start picking up the subhanallah these are static laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are connected to life in this world this is how it has to be right for example, in shakartum لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If you are thankful, I will increase for you, Allah says. I will indeed increase for you. This is a universal law. Right? Uh, and and, and, and there's, there's many other. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُغَيِّرُ مَا بِقَوْمِ حَتَّى يُغَيِّرُ مَا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ For example, that Allah will not change uh, the scope of a people or the situation of a people unless they make an effort to change their situation themselves. This is a universal law. This is how Allah has set it. Right? Allah can do what He wants, when He wants, how He wants. But Allah has set these universal laws. And the Qur'an teaches us these laws that Allah has in place. Yes, Allah can change us, even if we don't change ourselves. But Allah has set as a universal law that you change yourself and Allah will, 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 will change your situation. Right? And, and, and uh, you know, for those who are students of the Qur'an here, um, you know, perhaps uh, as, as a research paper, as a research paper, you can consider writing on this. Right? As-Sunan Al-Kawniya fil Qur'an Al-Kareem The universal laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in, in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jam'an wa dirasa To gather these laws and to explain them and study them In light of the Qur'an and the Sunnah This would be an amazing research paper I haven't come across 
uh, maybe it exists, but from um, I haven't really looked into it in detail. But from uh, the brief search I have done, I haven't really found a study of this, and it would be a fascinating study. But coming to the to, to the initial point, we actually see in Surah Nuh some universal laws of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, such as the the fruits of istighfar. That istighfar uh, entails certain benefits and inshallah we will cover this and we will see from the universal laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the fruits of iman and we will see from the universal laws uh, the fruits of disbelief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right so this is from some of the objectives of surah Nuh now in ayah number one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and very brief uh, I just want to remind uh, each and everyone here that we are just traversing through some insights we're not doing a detailed tafsir going into the qiraat the implications of the different styles of recitation, you know, uh, reasons of revelation, some of the linguistic nuances, and so on and so forth. That needs a lot of time. It's beyond the scope of our class together, mashallah. And I can, you know, we can't help but look around and be distracted with all the, be- the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala around us. Right, and as I said, it's a formal gathering which we've made informal. So we're going to keep this lesson true to the scope of this classroom. And thus I'm calling it insights into Surah Nuh. In ayah number one, Allah says, Indeed we sent Nuh to his people. And we told him to warn his people before a severe punishment comes to them. Right, so Allah says we sent Nuh. Nuh alayhi salam was, as we said, a messenger of Allah. The first messenger after Adam alayhi salam. And he was a prophet of Allah that lived for more than a thousand years. The scholars have differed with regards to his exact date. We did, they didn't have birth certificates and you know computerized systems then and passports and immigration and so on and, and so forth that we can have an exact understanding of how old he was. But the scholars say Prophet Noah, he lived more, more than a thousand years. And they deduced this understanding from a few points. Point number one is that Allah said that Allah sent him to do this da'wah for 950 years. So he was inviting to Allah for 950 years. And only a handful of people accepted his message. 950 years. Brothers and sisters, how hard is it to wake up and sleep every day for 60 years? For 50 years. To live life just for 50 years, we say, subhanallah, it's tough, right? You know, you get to 60, you feel khalas, I've lived life. It's time to prepare for the hereafter. Well, we should be preparing for the hereafter from the day we're born, alhamdulillah. But you understand when we talk about uh, the speech of people today, 60 years is a long time. You feel the weight of life. Nuh alayhi salam was doing da'wah only for 950 years. Subhanallah. And only a handful of people. There's probably more people in, on this boat, alhamdulillah, now, than the people that were with Nuh alayhi salam, in terms of those that accepted his message. And the scholars add to this 950 by saying that most of the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala became prophets at the age of 40. Because people reach a peak in terms of mental maturity and physical ability at the age of 40. Right after 40, it starts going downhill. And no offense to those who are plus 40 on the boat today. I can see some of the young people smiling and saying, Wow, I, I got some time. <laughs> right? But, but we say that after 40, you increase in wisdom, alhamdulillah. Before 40, you'll never have what you have after 40. You know, there's many people who say, What I learned at 40 that I wish I knew when I was 20. Right? So for the young ones who are smiling, Understand 
that those who are 40 plus, they have something we still need. And wallahi, the youth need this and we need this. We need to gather between the wisdom of the, of, of the seniors and the, the bubbly energies of, of, of the juniors. If, we can, if, the, if, if the juniors can use their energies and their strengths and their motivation and their excitement, you know, upon the platform of the wisdom of the elders, then wallahi, we will move mountains. Wallahi, we will move mountains. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that understanding. Ameen. But the scholars say that prophets became prophets at 40. If you add 40 to 950, you get 900 and? 900 and? 990. Right? 990. It is humid here. I can see everybody wiping and, and we're all sweating. Wallahi. We all, as I said, you can see I haven't, I'm not wearing the scarf, nor the extra gear. Right? Um, I'm chilling out like you go, but please go ahead, use, use your towels and paper towels and, 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 and dry yourself and, and keep on drinking your liquids. We don't want people fainting here when you're on water, to be lacking water. <laughs> so, the scholars say 950 plus 40 equals 990. And then they say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran that after Allah blessed Nuh alayhi salam and the people on the ark to dock, Allah showered upon them barakah and blessings. And blessings entails increased sustenance and increased time, right? Increased sustenance and increased time. So if you, if uh, if Allah tells us this, then we cannot deduce, we cannot make a logical deduction that 990 marked the end of his life. If barakah was given to him after 990 years, it means he lived past a thousand, insha'Allah. And that's why we say. That Nuh alayhi salam was from those prophets that lived for a thousand years or more. So this is who Nuh alayhi salam is. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah sent him, لَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا Indeed, we sent Nuh. We learn from this, my dear brothers and sisters, that prophets and messengers are chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are chosen by Allah. You are not chosen through elections. It's not a big vote that happens, right? Then people are putting themselves up there to be prophets. And then you get elected by the majority. You say, now I'm a prophet because the majority elected me to be a prophet. No. Allah says, لَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا Allah is telling us that Nuh was a messenger because he was sent and messengers are sent. And remember earlier we discussed the differences between a messenger and a prophet. And we say Nuh was the first messenger because Allah tells us that he was the earliest one who was sent. He was a messenger, he was sent, right? So this is evidence that he was the first messenger after Adam alayhi salam, who was the first prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Adam alayhi salam was not sent to a people. And even with regards to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he became a prophet and thereafter he became a messenger. He became a prophet with iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. That's when he became a prophet. When Allah revealed to him, he became a prophet. But then he became a messenger when Allah revealed to him, get up and announce the message. Now he was sent to a people, right? And that's why the scholars say every messenger is a prophet, but not every prophet is a messenger in terms of a rule to try and understand uh, the difference between a prophet and a messenger. They say every prophet, every messenger is a prophet, but not every prophet is a, is a messenger. But coming to this, Allah says, لَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا Telling us that it is Allah who sends messengers. It is Allah who chooses messengers. You cannot dream up the fact that you're a messenger and you just become a messenger. Allah is the one who sends His people. Right? And 
We also learn, my dear brothers and sisters, from this fact that Allah said, لَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا that we sent Nuh, that the message of the messenger is not from the messenger himself. The message is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is divine. Right? We know, we know the presence of, 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 of people that during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they said this message is from him. And even today, there are people who try and say the message is from him, and they, he received it from his interactions with some of the Jews and the, and the Christians that he met during travel, and they try and, and, and fabricate stories of travel, right? To try and, and, and paint a picture in, in, in the minds of those who, who lend them an ear, that, you know, the Prophet ﷺ actually had these travels where he met different Christians or Jews, and he was listening to their messages from the revelation that came to them. And then he formulated this message that we, we know as Islam, Right? This is what they say. We say, no. Allah, لَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا Allah sent the messages. The message is from Allah. It's not from Himself. If, if the, this person came by Himself to a people, then you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not say, لَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا That we have sent. Does that make sense, brothers and sisters? So this is what we benefit when we look at this citation in this ayah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we still in ayah number one, says, إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ We said, Nuh, to his people. To his people. Allah didn't say, to the people. Allah didn't say, to mankind. Allah said, to his people. Right? And this means that Nuh alayhi salam was sent to a specific people. Right? Unlike Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who was sent to all of mankind and jinkind, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? Rasulullah was sent to all of mankind and jinkind. But before that, prophets and messengers were sent to a people. The other benefit we get, brothers and sisters, when Allah says, إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ is the benefit of understanding the importance of local scholarship. That there is a benefit. When Allah sends a prophet with the language that a people spoke to a people, we learn from this that there is importance in this. Right? Right? There is importance. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose this as a way for the majority of His prophets and messengers, Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam, there has to be a great benefit in it. And if we ponder over the fact that Allah said we sent Him to His people, we understand the importance of local scholarship. And how we as a people must respect our local ulama. And, uh, we, uh, and, and how we as a people need to frequent the doors of our local ulama. And how we as a people need to frequent the lessons of our local ulama. It's very important brothers and sisters. Right? It's very important. Especially in Muslim minorities. In countries where the Muslims are a minority, and Allah has blessed those minorities with reputable scholars and tulab al-ilm, students of knowledge and propagators. What we see today is a trend, that the local ulama, their lessons are neglected. The least attendance is found in the lessons of the local scholars. But when a visiting scholar comes in, people are flocking to this event, to this lecture, to this talk. And this is wrong brothers and sisters. This is wrong. And substituting your local scholars for foreign scholars, Allah knows best, leads to 
blessings being taken away from the da'wah, from Islamic propagation, and seeking Islamic knowledge. And wallahi, this is something I discuss in many a sitting. Right? Many of you might have seen my talk in Qatar earlier in the year where I spoke about the celebrity fan culture in the da'wah. Right? A scene that is, is coming about today, where we're flocking to a speaker of a certain name. And we don't flock to those who might be even more knowledgeable than them. And we don't flock to the local scholars who are more deserving of our respect, more deserving of our attentive ear, more deserving of our diligence. Especially since it's the local scholars that tire themselves and fatigue with the problems engulfing the Muslim community in front of them. It is the local scholars that are dealing with divorce matters. It is the local scholars that are dealing with inheritance issues. It is the local scholars dealing with, you know, whatever vice engulfs the Muslim community, or the community at large in general, be it drugs, be it, uh, you know, poor development of the youth, be it poor parenting from the elders, whatever the case may be, it's the local scholars who, who, who get on board quickly and engage these matters fast to try and protect the community from retrogression. They are the ones who fatigue and tire themselves with us. We knock their doors at night. We knock their doors during the day. They are there. They are at our service for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when they come with a lesson to teach us that which will make us a better people and make us those people that do not become part of the problem but part of the solution, we are at home. We do not answer their call. We do not frequent their gathering. Right? So, brothers and sisters, we need to learn this from Surah Nuh right from the beginning. The importance of local scholarship. We must respect local scholarship. And we must understand that the crux of da'wah, the crux of it is based on local scholarship. The visiting scholar only complements the work of the local scholar. And that is why we also learn from the opening of Surah Nuh, the, the, the adab, the manners, morals and etiquettes of visiting du'at and visiting scholars when they visit a vicinity. Right? When they visit a vicinity. And that is that they should visit the local scholars. That's what a, 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 a da'i should do. And this is taught to us by the giants from the scholars that walked the face of this earth before us. Those giants that you and I are, are trying to balance on their shoulders. It was their habit and norm. When they visited a country, they would go, or a city, they would go visit the local scholar first. Meet that scholar. Make dua for that scholar. Thank that scholar for the great work that that scholar is doing. Take nasiha and advice from that scholar. And then they would engage the local community that that scholar is responsible over. And this is common sense brothers and sisters. Right? Because the last thing you want to do is come and create a situation that is more difficult for the local scholars. Whilst you just fly in and fly out. You get what I'm saying? You come in, you give a talk, and you leave. And you put people in a bigger quandary, because you didn't understand the intricacies, the nuances, the anomalies of the society that you visited. So there was oversight instead of foresight. And you said something in a way that, you know, uh, you didn't intend something to happen, but it happened as a result. Why? Because you, you just lack that adab of meeting the local scholars. So this is for the students of knowledge in the audience, right? I take from the beginning of Surah Nuh the etiquette of respecting local scholarship and visiting the local scholars when you visit any city, any locality. Alhamdulillah, in Dubai, you have many local scholars. And in the English-speaking realm, mashallah, uh, 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 you also have 
duat and propagators. MashaAllah, uh, I just met uh, Sheikh Ustad Tim Humble here, MashaAllah, Muhammad Tim Humble, who's, 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 who's settled in the community, Alhamdulillah. Right? And teaching the community, Walillahilhamd. Right? And teaching from the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that which will only make us a better people. Wallahi, I am only here to compliment his work. But his work is far more important than my work. Right? And if there's anyone who's here now, and, and, and is someone who's not part of his circle and his lessons, then right now you should make a firm decision and resolve that you will be part of his lessons moving on. Because this is also from the etiquette of seeking knowledge. That you prefer the visiting scholar, the visiting da'i, the visiting student of knowledge, but you prefer your local scholar in a greater way. Because this is how it is, brothers and sisters. Right? So we learn from the beginning of Surah Nuh the importance of local scholarship as well, where Allah says, إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ Now, is this working? Can you all hear me? Bye. Um, and, 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 and whilst we're on this point, uh, mashallah, Kalima is here. Uh, and to anyone who's running a local organization here in Dubai, or wherever you've come from, some people are visiting from abroad, attending this event, mashallah, may Allah bless you. If you are running an Islamic organization, and you have invited uh, a, a scholar or student of knowledge or da'i or propagator to come to your organization, when they land, the first thing that should be part of the agenda is taking them to meet the senior ulama of that vicinity. Right? There should be an etiquette of your organization, my dear brother and my dear sister. Okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still in ayah number one says, anandir qawmak. Right? Allah says, we sent him to warn his people. And we learn from this, my dear brothers and sisters, many lessons from them is the reality of the people that Nuh alayhi salam visited. They were people upon disbelief. They were people who practiced idolism and polytheism. This is the situation of mankind and human beings very early on on earth, my dear brothers and sisters. Understand. And that is why, you know today, when Tawheed is taught, Tawheed is taught, lessons of Tawheed are taught. Many people say, Tawheed, 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 why so many discussions about Tawheed? So many discussions about Iman, so many discussions about Tawheed. We're not going to worship idols, we're not going to worship stones, we're not going to worship trees. Right? The answer to that is, not why, why not? Why not? We need to have the lessons on Tawheed and Iman and Aqeedah and belief, whatever you want to call title it. We need to have these lessons and in abundance. And you know what? We need more. Because if we read Surah Nuh, we see that this concept of falling into idol worship is something that has been part and parcel of mankind's journey on earth. Mankind's journey on earth from the very early human beings that walked the face of this earth. It's not something that we should feel safe from, my dear brothers and sisters. Especially when we have shaytan. And later on in Surah Nuh, we might as well say it now, we see Nuh uh, salam, telling us about these idols that these people worship, that they didn't want to leave these idols. Right? And, and Nuh salam, mentions their name. Their names, the names of these idols. And Ibn Kathir rahimahullah, in Al-Bidaya wa Nihaya, and in his tafsir, as well as other scholars of Islamic history and tafsir, they say that these idols, they actually represented pious people that, were, that lived at, uh, you know, at the time of Nuh alayhi salam. Right? At the time of Nuh alayhi salam, after the world was cleansed of polytheism. They were pious people. 
So after they passed away, shaitan visited them. And shaitan said, why don't you develop a symbol? That when you see the symbol, it reminds you of these pious people and you become inspired to be good people. You become inspired to be pious people. You become inspired to worship Allah more. No doubt, these individuals, they were the pinnacle in terms of you know, their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So the people followed the footsteps of shaitan. And what did they do? They built these symbols. After they passed away, Nuh went to the generation that now came to be and said, you know what? The people before you, they used to worship these things. This is from being pious. It's from piety to worship these things. Why don't you follow the people of the way before you? Your parents, your grandfathers, your forefathers. And people started worship. Right? So, we see brothers and sisters that we need more lessons from the Qur'an and the Sunnah related to Tawheed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us this very early on for those who ponder in Surah Nuh and many surahs in the Qur'an. In fact, all the surahs of the Qur'an very early on teaches about Tawheed, belief in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and being diligent with this belief that when you say La ilaha illallah, you are saying, لا معبود بحق إلا الله. You are saying there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah. That's what you are saying. Which means you are saying that I am going to live on earth the way Allah wants me to live on earth. Not how I want to live. And this is from Tawheed. And believe in one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And because you want to live on earth how Allah wants you to live on earth, then Muhammadur Rasulullah has to be there. And that's what it means. That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger. That I don't know how to live on earth. The way Allah wants me to live on earth, except based on the teachings of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him. Does that make sense brothers and sisters? So when Allah says, An andir qawmak, we sent Nuh as a warner to his people. That means they were a people not upon piety. Why are they being warned? If they were upon piety, they would, Allah would have sent Nuh with glad tidings. But Allah here sends him with a warning. Not that Nuh alayhi salam didn't go with glad tidings. We will see in Surah Nuh that Allah sent him with glad tidings as well. But Allah highlights as part of the package that Nuh was sent with, that he was sent to give them a warning, which means they were upon disbelief. Now, Allah also says, we sent Nuh to his people to warn them. Allah didn't say, we sent Nuh to his people to guide them. And we learn from these brothers and sisters, an important element of da'wah. And that is, it is our job to convey the message. To give glad tidings and to warn. It is not our job to convert anybody. Guidance is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when I started the talk today, we said, مَن يَهْدِهِ اللَّهُ فَلَا مُضِلَّ لَهُ The one who Allah guides, no one can misguide. وَمَن يُضْلِلْ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ And the one who Allah misguides, no one can guide. Guidance is in the hands of Allah. Inviting to Allah is in our hands. Allah says we are the best of all people because we carry the legacy of the prophets. What do we do? Convert people? No. Convey to people. Ta'muruna bil ma'roof. You invite towards good. Wa anil munkar. And you warn people against evil. Wa tu'minuna billah. And you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our job is to convey. My dear brothers and sisters, many a time you and I do not engage people in da'wah because we're always looking for the perfect moment. Yes, looking for the perfect moment is part of being wise in da'wah. But we have defined perfect moment as the moment that they will convert if we invite them to Allah. That's not in our hands. Because of that, 
we hardly do da'wah. Because when is the best time? When are you going to know that at this time this person is going to convert? Or is going to have the greatest chance of converting if I speak to him or her? Does that make sense brothers and sisters? Right? But if you make your philosophy conveyance of the message, then every time is a good time. Yes, how you do it is going to be tweaked. Sometimes da'wah happens by keeping silent. But as long as you know you did da'wah. Sometimes da'wah happens by taking someone out for dinner. That could be that. That could be da'wah. That can be da'wah. Wisdom could entail that being da'wah. But you should know that I'm doing da'wah. Because when we look at the ayah in the fourth juz, Allah says, "Ta'muruna bil ma'ruf wa anil munkar." Allah uses al-fi'l al-mudari', which is the present tense, the present form of the verb, the present tense, present and continuous form of the verb in the Arabic language. And the scholars say, "Fi'l al-mudari' yaktabi." وَفِعْلُ الْمُضَارِعِ فِي اللُّغَةِ الْعَرَبِيَّةِ يَقْتَضِيَ الْحَالَ وَالْإِسْتِمْرَارِ Right? That uh, the present continuous form of the verb in the Arabic language denotes a meaning that is continuous and recurring. Not a meaning that stops after you do it one time. So when Allah says, تَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ Does Allah mean you just command towards good once? No. He's meaning you recurringly invite towards good. You recurringly prevent from evil. So part and parcel of your life is to be a da'i. You carry the legacy of the Anbiya والسلام, They were du'at and callers to Allah with the waking of every day and the sleeping of every night. They were 24-7 callers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were da'wah machines. We need to be da'wah machines as the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The ummah of da'wah. Does that make sense? If you understand your life like this, you will focus on making your every circle a second and invitation to Allah. And as I said, how you invite to Allah is different. But the endeavor is to make every second of your life an invitation towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this should be the, how you, you benchmark your activities. And as I said, sometimes remaining silent is da'wah. But how do you know that? Today we remain silent because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. Because we don't want to look bad. Yes, we shouldn't hurt people's feelings. Don't get me wrong. Nobody should say, wow, alhamdulillah. Today the, <laughs> the sheikh said, we keep quiet because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. Let's just go ahead and hurt people's feelings. No, brothers and sisters. I'm not saying that. I'm saying many a time we keep quiet. Why? Because we don't want people to feel bad about us. We're not doing it for the sake of da'wah. Thus, we are not being true to the legacy that Allah has put on our shoulders. The legacy that Allah will ask us on the day of Qiyamah. Rasulullah said, No one's feet will move on the day of Qiyamah until Allah asks them about a few things. The time and what they did with it. Their wealth and what they did with it. It's about you using it in da'wah. As I said, if you take even your family, you're taking your family for a meal is part of that. Because da'wah has a macro image and a micro image and a mini micro. It has mini micro matters within the micro. And it has a macro viewing as well. To build a rapport with people for the sake of inviting them to Allah, this is da'wah. Building that rapport might take five years of not saying anything. But just being there for them. Asking them how they are. As long as you intend da'wah, alhamdulillah, you are true to the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It might entail that. Wallahi. It might entail that. You have no idea how someone who is upon misguidance, right? And they live in a situation where the community is 
disengaging with them. You have no idea what it means to them when you come one day and you just phone, pick up the phone. Right? You have no relationship with them. And you say, I've just phoned you to say, Assalamu alaikum. Just to see how you are. I remember the last time I was here, you had a lot of questions about things. You know? I'm not phoning to discuss it, I'm just making salam. Wallahi, you have no idea how amazing, how well you've prepared the playing field now to engage them with matters of guidance. But you didn't engage them with qala Allah, qala Rasul Allah said, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said at that juncture. You didn't engage them with that. You just engaged them with the salam. But you have prepared the playing field and made the playing field ripe to receive the seeds of guidance. Wallahi, you don't know. Right? I hope the message is clear. I wish we could talk longer about this, but point to note, our job as a propagator is to convey, not to convert. And Allah tells Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتَ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَهْدِي مَنْ يَجَاءَ That you do not guide who you wish and will, but it is Allah who guides who He wills. And the best example is in the story of Abu Talib. When he was passing away, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went to him and said, Oh uncle of mine, just say something, a little bit. Something that will help me defend you on the day of Qiyamah in front of Allah. Just do it. You're about to breathe your last. Your last. Say a few words. Whatever your situation, just say it. He's begging from him just to say it. Whether it's with belief, without he's not going into criteria. He's saying, just say something so I can use it to defend you. But he passed away upon disbelief. If Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam could not convert, if Nuh alayhi salam could not convert, Understand our job is to convey. It was not upon any messenger except to convey a clear conveyance, a conveyance with wisdom. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. In ayah number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Nuh said, O oh people, indeed I am to you a clear owner. We learn from this, my dear brothers and sisters, how to answer the command of Allah. In ayah number one, Allah says, we send Nuh to warn his people. In ayah number two, he's warning his people. Oh my people, inni lakum mubin. I am to you a clear warner. Immediately he acted upon the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For those who ponder who he learned, my dear brothers and sisters, that the way of success is to grab the guidance and implement it as soon as it comes to you. Nuh didn't say, Ya Allah, but what if... Please give me some time. Let me consider. No. How long will I have to invite for? When is the start time and finish time of this? No. Immediately in ayah number two, Allah is telling us that He is telling His people. Oh people, I am to you a clear one. When is He saying this? After Allah in the first ayah says, We said Nuh has a clear one to His people. This is the way of belief, my dear brothers and sisters. And Allah says about this ummah, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِ That it wasn't for a believing male or female. That when the command of Allah came down, when Allah said, do this and don't do that, they felt they had a choice in the matter. Well, we'll think about it. No. No, no, that wasn't the way of a لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَ It's not the way of the believers. It's not the way of the believers. The believers' way is, Allah said this, I'm doing it immediately. Allah wants me to do this now, I'm doing it. Allah commanded him immediately. Go to your people and warn them. Immediately he goes to his people and warns them. We learn this from ayah number two. For those who ponder, I told you we're taking insights from the surah. Insights, right? 
And we learn from this brothers and sisters, how not to globalize the problem. Today, so many times we don't deal with matters because we make the problem so big that it makes us a people incapacitated. This is what happens. Nuh didn't say, Ya Allah, I need this, I need that, I need this, I, I need you to teach me so much, I need to learn so much before I can do this. Right? I need so much sleep, so much exercise, so much this, so much this. No. No. He went to his people with that which he had. He didn't globalize. Whatever resources he had, he used it. And that is what is asked of, of us, my dear brothers and sisters. That you invite to Allah to the best of your ability. Allah is not telling you to invite to Allah as if you're a billionaire when you only have a few thousand. No, invite to Allah with the few thousand that you have. Allah is not telling you to invite to Allah as the scholar does. No, Allah is telling you to invite to Allah based on the knowledge that you know. You know, La ilaha illallah, there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah. Invite towards that. As for the details, learn it from those who know or send them to a people who know. But don't say, until I get there, I'm not going to invite. No, that's not the way of the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wasalam. And that is not the Quranic instruction. Don't globalize matters. And incapacitate yourself, brothers and sisters. Where you stop growing your Jannah. Because shaitan has put you in a delusion. Remember, da'wah is ibadah. Da'wah is the worship of Allah. If you worship Allah, Allah rewards you. Your Jannah becomes more beautiful if you have more rewards. Your paradise becomes more beautiful. In this da'wah, you dig your streams in your Jannah. You plant your trees in your Jannah. You, you bury your treasures in your paradise. You lay your gold bricks and diamond bricks and silver bricks for the palaces in your Jannah. The more rewards you get, this is what happens to your Jannah. If you allow shaitan to globalize a matter to such an extent that it makes you lack action, all you've done is stop building your Jannah. Build your Jannah to the best of your ability. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ballighu anni walaw ayah. Teach someone something from me, even if it's one ayah. Allahu Akbar. Even if it's one ayah. Right? So we learned this, my dear brothers and sisters, from ayah number two. There's many more lessons I'm just sharing with you. Uh, some of the most important lessons that are appropriate to our time and the scope of this particular classroom. In ayah number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that Nuh said to his people, worship Allah, fear him and obey him. Allah tells us that Nuh alayhi salam gave them three commands. Number one, worship Allah. Number two, be God conscious of Allah or fear Allah, meaning have taqwa. Ani'budullaha wa wa ati'un. Number three, and obey. Obey who? Obey me, the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa ati'uni. In the, in the ayah, it's وَأَطِعُونَ Meaning, obey me. We learn from this, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best, that in the first command, when He said, worship Allah, He meant follow the commands of Allah. Be upon the do's and stay away from the don'ts. And when He said, alayhi salam, He meant, leave that which you have been warned against. And this is a common pattern with taqwa in the Qur'an. When we find taqwa, this term taqwa, existing in an ayah that has other commands of Allah, as a pattern, we see that taqwa refers to staying away from the manhiyat. Staying away from that which Allah has warned us against. But if taqwa exists by itself, then it entails worshipping Allah, 
following the commands and staying away from the evil. And staying away from bid'ah. And so on and so forth. It's a diverse term. But when it exists around the plethora of other commands, it means staying away from the don'ts. So instruction number one. Worship Allah. What does this mean? Follow His commands. وَاتَّقُوا Be God conscious of Allah. Stay away from the don'ts. وَأَطِيعُونَ Follow me. Live on earth the way Allah wants you to live on earth. Live on earth the way I am. Because I know how Allah wants us to live on earth. And Allah says in the third juz, towards the end of the third juz, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Allah says to his Prophet wasallam, Tell them, O Muhammad, إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهُ If you indeed love Allah, فَاتَّبِعُونِي Follow me. Follow Muhammad wasallam. That is your way. If you truly love Allah, this is your way of showing that you love Allah. By following Muhammad wasallam, And if you do so, Allah will forgive you. And you will, be, and, and you will become beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed Allah is the most forgiving, the most merciful. Okay, in ayah number 4, Nuh alayhi salam goes on to mention some of these universal laws that I told you that exist. Or the universal laws which I told you about which exist in, in the Qur'an. The fruits of piety. The fruits of iman and forgiveness. What does he say? He says if you be good, Allah will forgive you your sins. And Allah will delay you for a specific term. And uh, he says, uh, He then goes on to say in ayah number 4, that when the coming of the ayah comes, or the coming of the, of the day of judgment comes, it will never be delayed. It happens on this exact second that Allah has decided. The execution is excellent. And then Nuh says, if you only knew. So, Nuh is telling them, look, I am telling you, as a universal law, if you be good, this will happen. Like we say, if you study, you will pass, inshallah. If you don't study, you will fail. The net result of lack of study is failure. And the net result of study and hard work is to pass. Right? It's a universal law, it's common sense. It's understood. It's witnessed. It's something known. Prophet Noah is telling his people, if you listen to me, the fruits of you listening is that God Almighty will forgive you. This is the net result. And God Almighty will increase for you your time. Now the scholars of Tafsir have different explanations as to what is meant by increment of time. Does it mean that if they are obedient to Allah, Allah will make them live longer? And if they are not, they will live shorter? Some scholars have said that what this means is Allah will bring barakah into your life. Allah will bring barakah into your life. That the fruits of obedience is blessings coming into your life. Your one hour feels like two or three. Your one dirham feels like three or four or five or ten. That's barakah. So it's as if your time has been extended. And we know brothers and sisters today, how time lacks barakah and how wealth lacks barakah. I'm sure if we ask our grandparents, Regarding how time used to be when they were alive, they'll tell us, when we were alive, you know what? We used to plan to do 10 things in a day. And by Zohar, we finished all 10. And today we'll say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. 
We plan to do 10 things in a day. And the day finishes. The Adhan of Maghrib happens and we've only done 5. Half of it. The day is still 24 hours. The sun still rises and sets. A 24 hour day. But Barakah has been removed. And this is from the signs of Qiyamah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said from the signs of Qiyamah is يَتَقَارَبُ الزَّمَانِ The coming together of time. Coming together of time. May Allah grant us Barakah. Today we are looking for Barakah. People write into the scholars, teach us how can we get Barakah in our lives. How can we get Barakah in our lives? Learn from Nuh alayhi salam by being a good person. By making yourself a more pious person. And removing sin from your life. Sins cause Barakah to be lifted. Piety causes Barakah to come into our lives. And by the way, since we're talking about Barakah, then don't forget to say Bismillah before you do anything. And don't forget the adhkar, the du'as of the morning and the evening. It's a means of Barakah in our life. There are many uh, citations in the du'as of the morning and the evening which help bring about Barakah in our day, in our time and our wealth. And also, maintain family relations. Yes. Don't fight with your blood relatives. Maintain the bonds of kinship. How do we know this? From Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He said, in a hadith found in the sunnah, which is acceptable, as, an, as a hadith attributed to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, مَنْ أَحَبَّ أَن يُبْسَطَ لَهُ فِي رِزْقِهِ وَيُنْسَأَ لَهُ فِي أَجَلِهِ فَلْيَصِلْ رَحِمَهُ that the one who wants blessings in his life and his wealth, he should maintain family relations. Subhanallah. Maintain. Not keep. Maintain. He didn't say, phone them when they phone you. Visit them when they visit you. No, maintain it. Visit them when they don't visit you. Phone them when they don't phone you. You know, not what we see today. Today it's, it's tit for tat, right? Right? Let's see how much they gave my child on Eid day. Let me see. 50 dirhams, give them 50 dirhams. Right? How many times did they visit me last month? Twice. We'll visit them twice this month. It's like a scorecard system. Right? His daughter gets married. He didn't invite you for the walima. Big problem. Isn't it? Yeah. It's a big problem. So how many daughters does he have? He has one daughter. Say, I have three daughters. Yeah. We can fix him. We'll fix him three times, inshallah. <laughs> right? For three walimas, he won't be invited. No. You should maintain family relations. You should maintain family relations. It's a means of barakah. May Allah grant us the understanding. Ameen. Nuh alayhi salam says, From the fruits of you listening to me is Allah will forgive you. Allah will forgive you. And inshallah, we will discuss more about istighfar a little bit later. But for now, what I want to just highlight, brothers and sisters, is that there are many ways to have our sins forgiven. From them is istighfar. Who can tell me another way? I'll give you a CD, inshallah. Right? 26 lectures on it. An MP3 CD, as a, as a gift. Way, yeah, mashallah. The hands come up quickly when there's prizes, always. Tayyip, yes, you had your hand up first. That's doing good deeds. That's doing good deeds, right? So from the means of gaining forgiveness is doing good deeds. As Nuh alayhi salam has taught us. Barakallahu feek. That's a prize for you. What are other ways? We have a hand up here. Second, yes. 
Tawbah, MashaAllah, Tawbah is from the means. Here's another price. We have the third hand over there. What he said, that's a common answer. So I wanted to say what he said. Okay, so... Um, okay. Uh, um, so we've discussed istighfar. The brother said Tawbah. The other brother said good deeds. These are ways of having our sins forgiven. Very good. Allah says, إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْهِبْنَ السَّيِّئَاتِ that the good deeds wipe away the bad deeds. Okay, give us another another one. Yes, respecting parents that falls under good deeds. I want I want a, a, a umbrella citation. Yes, sorry, that's being good. Ties of kinship that's good deeds. No. Yes, sorry, Hajj and Umrah that's from doing good deeds. No, I want a citation like you said. Good deeds, istighfar, tawbah. Come on, brothers and sisters. I don't know the sisters downstairs. We can't see them, so we don't know. Yes, I can't hear you. You have to scream like a lion. Being grateful. That's from being. That's from good deeds. So two hands at the back. You can. You can tell me his answer. Reading Quran, that's good deeds. Come on brothers, I want a, a citation. Don't give me good deeds. All this falls under good deeds. Being patient. Being patient, meaning trials and difficulties, right? Well done, that's a price. Well done, you get a, you get a price. Trials and difficulties. Whatever difficulty we go through, it's bukaffir lidhunub. It removes our sins, getting sick for example. Right, so being patient through difficulties is a means of removing sins. Alright, one more. Yes, brother. Fear Allah. Fearing Allah, some good deeds. Yes, brother. No, that's good deeds. No, we don't want good deeds. Tell us something. Like you said, patience. That's good. Whoever gets this, is, it's, it will be very good, mashallah. Yes, uncle. That's good deeds. Good deeds. Good deeds. Yes. Sorry? That's from being good, having good deeds. Can I give you the answer? Yes, brother, at the back. Sorry? Abstaining from? That's from doing good deeds. Leaving behind pious children. Good deeds. Sorry? Good deeds. Let me tell you, let me tell you, because we have to move. We have to move on. We have to move on. Sorry? That's, that's from good deeds as well. The answer to it is Shafa'ah. Intercession. Intercession is a means of forgiveness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive on the day of Qiyamah based on the intercession of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And based on the intercession of those that Allah allows them to intercede and Allah is pleased with them on condition that they ask Allah to forgive those also that Allah is pleased with. Right? There's conditions for shafa'ah. We're not going to get into it. But to understand, just as a, as a blanket understanding of how sins are removed, we understand that sins are removed through tawbah, through istighfar, through good deeds, through tests and difficulties, and through intercession. Through intercession. Does everybody have that? You wrote it down? MashaAllah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive our sins. Ameen. Ameen. So, brothers and sisters, um, this is what Nuh alayhi salam is telling us in ayah number 4. Now, Nuh alayhi salam is telling us one other thing. For those who ponder, you will understand. In ayah number 4, 
I want you to ponder, who can tell me what other lesson Nuh salam is teaching us as a da'wah tip? I'll give you a clue, it's a da'wah tip. In ayah number 4. For those who have the mushafs open in front of them and they're following. What is Nuh salam teaching us as a da'wah to ponder? Nuh salam is saying, Allah will forgive you your sins and delay for you, or delay you for a specific term. Right? Indeed, the set time by when, when, when the day of judgment or the set time that Allah has said comes to be, it will never be delayed if you only knew. What da'wah tip is Nuh alayhi salam teaching us here? You know? No? You can have a CD inshallah. But, right? And our young boy over here, you can also have a CD, okay? What's your name? Umar, mashallah. We, are, you, my, you, we have similar names. Right, this is for you, okay? You have to listen to it. Yeah? Okay. Yes. Don't waste your time. <laughs> our tip. Yes. Start with a positive message. Allah will forgive you. MashaAllah. I'll accept that. Not what I'm looking for, but take that's a CD for you. Yes. To have knowledge. Not what I'm looking for, but that's definitely from, from the etiquettes of da'wah. But a specific tip from ayah number 4. From ayah number 4. Start with a positive message, I'll accept, because يَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُبُ is positive. Nuh alayhi salam is teaching us how to be diverse in our instruction when doing da'wah. The mention to people benefits of the hereafter and mention to them benefits now as well. He's telling them, Allah will forgive you. And Allah will increase for you time and wealth. Sustenance will increase. You'll live longer. You'll have barakah in your life. We know that one of the hardest things for a human being is to pass away. Right? You're going to be passing away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a hadith Qudsi, He says, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that Allah has said, and in this, in this narration, Allah says that I know how difficult dying is for my slave. So when someone comes to you and says, look, I got something for you. If you practice, for, if you practice it, you live longer. Aren't you going to listen? Aren't you going to pay attention? As opposed to if someone says, if you do this after 10 years, you'll get an investment. It's going to excite you, yes. But if somebody says, you'll get an investment in 10 years, and by the way, there's a bonus investment now in year one, what will happen? You'll say, it's a no-brainer, brother, right? I need to invest, right? So when you call people to Allah, give them a holistic benefit, right? And this is known as, or, or, uh, you know, uh, the specialist in, in development, they call this creating urgency in the person that you are inviting towards being good, right? There, there's a program out there called NAC, Neuro Associative uh, Conditioning, NAC. Or if it's P programming, but it's more C, Neuro Associative Conditioning, it's, it's a life skills kind of uh, development, uh, developed by a life coach called Anthony Robbins uh, from the United States. It's called a six-step program towards creating change, right? The crux of it is that which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came with 1400 years ago. And the crux of it is that which Nuh alayhi sallam came with thousand years before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or thousands of years. Because the crux of it is analyzing your situation in a way that makes you desperate for that change. When you become desperate for it, you start changing. 
like when the doctor tells you, brother, if you don't change your diet, you're going to get diabetes. May Allah protect us from diabetes. I mean, what happens? Immediately people start changing their, their, their habits. Why? Because you're so desperate not to get diabetes. So you, there's an urgency that's created. So you change your diet immediately. Right? Now, is this not, not true? This is true. It's, it's, it's just human nature. So the, this, 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 this theory tells you that if you want to bring good, good habits in your life, think about that habit in a way that makes you desperate to bring it into your life. That if you don't bring it into your life, you're going to suffer as a result. Right? So you, you get cracking. Nuh salam is creating urgency. That's what he's doing. He's, he's, he's speaking to them with wisdom based on their human nature. That look, I'm telling you something that is going to make you become desperate to do what I'm telling you to do. Right? And later on in the surah, Nuh goes on and says it. Right? When he says that if you listen to me, Allah, if you seek forgiveness, Allah will increase, send you abundant rainfall and increase for you sustenance and give you children. Right? He's mentioned the ben- mentioning to them benefits now. Because someone in the audience wants to have children. Okay, I'm desperate for it. Let me take this on. Someone in the audience is experiencing poverty. They're looking for financial standing, material well-being. They become desperate to learn. I am so desperate not to be poor. Let me take this person's advice on board. They might take it for the wrong reasons, but it's still good for them. Now we shouldn't start saying, hey, your intention, make it for Allah, not for money. We say, listen, let them accept Islam for whatever reason. Alhamdulillah. Let them become better people for whatever reason. Alhamdulillah. We can work on the intention, inshaAllah. Right? Like the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he accepted Islam, he didn't accept it because he believed in the message first. He accepted it to protect Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the Quraysh. Because we know that from, the, from them were those who were attacking him. So he defended the Prophet and said, if you are attacking him because of this message, I'm telling you I believe in this message. So if you want to attack him, attack me. <laughs> right? Hamza. No one could attack Hamza. Right? So, he accepted it for another reason, but it was a good thing that he did. And when he went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we don't see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, your Islam was incorrect. We find Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam correcting his lesson. Okay, so uh, Salman, just come here for a second please. I was saying so I have to be 45 yeah, to wrap up the whole and, and then to know what happened. Then, uh, and, uh, okay, no problem. Shukran. Shukran. Yeah, no problem. Shukran, shukran. Okay, uh, let's move on inshallah. But uh, is that clear brothers and sisters? We learn from I and for those who ponder, Wallahi this Quran speaks to us in a day, in, in, a, in, in so many ways. If we just sat with the ayah and thought, let me think about this a moment. That he's telling them this benefit and that benefit. Right? Because this makes you desperate. And this is uh, synonymous with the da'wah of Nuh alayhi salam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And just whilst we're discussing this whole concept of, um, you know, joining between benefits for the hereafter in this world, we actually see it in the da'wah of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. When he was stabbed and he was bleeding to death, a young boy walked into his gathering with his lower garment below his ankles. And he's bleeding to death. He has important things to think about. As, you know, for example, who's going to lead the Muslims after me? We know Umar put together a shura panel. Right? 
a panel of representatives that would be in charge of choosing the next leader. He's busy with all this. And he sees this young boy. And when this boy is leaving, whilst he's dying, and this to teach you da'wah is from the cradle to the grave. Wallahi. He turns to this young boy and says, Yabna Akhi. O oh son of my brother, look how this is a da'wah lesson as well, how to speak to people. Look at Nuh alayhi salam as well. We learn from Surah Nuh how to speak to people. He's not telling people, you misguided people, you idol worshippers, you polytheists, shame on you. No, he's saying, oh my people, yeah, calm, oh my people. He's creating a rapport with them. We're from the same ilk, we're the same people, oh my people. This is, this is a concept with all the Anbiya alayhimu salatu was salam. Yusuf alayhi salam in the prison. Oh, companions of the prison. Look at that. He was innocent. He wasn't guilty. He was jailed while innocent. But he still says to his, Oh, companions of the prison. Isn't that amazing? Right? Nuh alayhi, uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anh says, Yabna akhi. Oh, son of my brother. Beautiful. Any young boy is going to want to listen. Right? A- any, young, any young boy is, is going to want to listen. Say, he's, he's, he's calling me his son, as if, right? He says, raise up your pants. Let's sit above your ankles. Raise up your pants. Why? If you do so, it's from being, it's, it's, it's from looking after the commands of Allah. It's from God consciousness. It's from taqwa. Did he stop there? Whilst bleeding to death? No. He says, li And you know what? Your thawb will last longer as well. <laughs> You'll be more pious. Allah will love you more. And you know what? Your thawb will last you longer. Because it's not dragging on the floor. He gave him a spiritual benefit and a physical benefit. And this is from the etiquette of doing da'wah. Give people spiritual benefits if they become better people. If they listen and give them physical benefits as well. And Nuh alayhi salam does this. He tells them you'll be forgiven and you'll have Jannah and you'll have and you'll have and you'll have. And then he tells them and Allah will give you children. And Allah will give you abundance and sustenance. He's giving them spiritual benefits or benefits that we call metaphysical because Jannah we can't touch right now. Even though we say it exists, but it's there in the hereafter. And he gives them benefits for now. Whilst I'm living in the dunya, the physical benefits. This is from the, uh, from, from the important elements of da'wah. Tayyib. Nuh alayhi salam says, لَوْ كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ Nuh alayhi salam is respecting the intellect of the people that he's calling to Allah. He's respecting it. He said, look, just use your brains if you only knew. If you only knew. You know, if you only knew, you would connect with your fitrah, your natural disposition, and it would tell you that worshipping idols is wrong. It would teach you to worship one Allah, if you only knew. This teaches us that we should engage people's intellect, brothers and sisters, when we speak to them. That Allah has created them with an ability to know, but they've become heedless, unfortunately. The loudness of misguidance has drowned the sound of the fitrah and the sound of guidance. Our fitrah is talking to us, O son of Adam, turn to Allah. O servant of Allah, be a good person. O servant of Allah, don't do this. O servant of Allah, turn to Allah, but we can't hear it. It's drowned out by the noise of misguidance. We're hearing the noise of music around us. Alhamdulillah, we're making noise of guidance right now. (laughs) Alhamdulillah. 
right? By reading the Qur'an and teaching Qur'an on the water where we see all these expensive yachts and we've seen how people have, have addressed and living their lives. SubhanAllah. This is their dunya. And their paradise as well. But for us, this is only our world. We have the yachts in Jannah, which no mind has ever dreamt of. No heart has ever dreamt of. No eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard of. Subhanallah, may Allah grant us yachts in Jannah. For our sitting in this yacht of the dunya today, for His sake. Ameen. Not bad, huh? <laughs> Not a bad deal. We learn a bit of Quran and we get a yacht when we go home. That no, no heart can dream of. Alhamdulillah. Have good thoughts in Allah. Allah can give you. Wallahi, when I go home today, I'm going to tell my children we got a yacht. <laughs> and I have good hope Allah will give me that yacht. That's the beauty of Iman. And belief in Allah. Because we know that Allah is Al-Ghani, is the rich of the rich. He's the rich of the rich. He can give us if we don't do. Imagine if we do a little for His sake. We say, Allah, shower upon your mercy. And with that, give us a yacht as well. Right? Allah will give us, inshaAllah. So, لَوْ كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ that brothers and sisters, we know. You know, today brothers and sisters say, Sheikh, you know, that speaker, I love to listen to them. I say, why? Because they're very knowledgeable. No, I don't know. But when I listen to them, my iman, I get an iman boost. It wakes me up. I say, you know, there's also non-Muslims. When they listen to some of these Hollywood actors and act, they also wake up. <laughs> Gift of the gab is not a prerequisite to have an iman boost. And why do you need that speaker to talk to you to have an Iman boost? When you have a brain and the Qur'an and the Sunnah in front of you, it's more sustainable sustainable for you to read the Qur'an and the Sunnah and use this intellect which Allah has given you. To look at the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It will give you the Iman boost you need. It is not feasible, right? To ask a speaker to pay his ticket, come all the way every day. To come give you an iman boost. That's not sustainable. And what happens if these people pass away? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away as well. But Allah left us the Quran and the Sunnah. And left us with this brain. That Allah addresses in the Quran and the Sunnah. If we used it and read the Quran and the Sunnah properly, we'll be naturally boosted with iman. And that's why we're told to have our daily sitting with the Quran and the Sunnah. A daily sitting with the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If we only knew. Nuh told his people, لَوْ كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ I am saying to you as well, لَوْ كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ If you only knew. It is not brothers and sisters. Sustainable. You know, for a speaker to come. For you to have an iman boost. You cannot have a person, but we should be boosted with iman every second of our day. You have to have a sustainable function. And Allah has given every human being, irrespective of financial standing, irrespective of material well-being, irrespective of education, an ability to be iman boosted. I'm not saying that we shouldn't get iman boosted when, alhamdulillah, a da'i or a speaker speaks. That is, that is alhamdulillah, a bonus. I am saying the problem is to make the iman boost of a visiting da'i or some speaker or some sheikh the crux and foundation of you being iman boosted. This is a problem. It's not sustainable. We should be we, we should be boosted with iman, with something sustainable, which is using our intellect, understanding the Quran and the Sunnah, and having our daily sitting with the, with the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And then, yes, as a bonus, attend the circles of dhikr and knowledge, visit the mashayikh, right? Get onto YouTube, listen to the lectures there, 
When uh, the Shaykh visits as well, visit the Shaykh, uh, visit the lesson as well. That's a bonus boost for Lillahi Alhamd. Right? You know, and coming back earlier, my dear brothers and sisters, you know what an Iman boost translates into? Into better character and being a better person. Yes, because that is, that is a universal law with the Qur'an. If you study the Qur'an properly, you become a better person immediately. In, in the sunnah of Rasulullah wasallam, it says that the Prophet wasallam was excellent. And he was even more excellent in Ramadan. Why was he more excellent in Ramadan? He was revising the Qur'an even more in Ramadan than he revised in any other month. So naturally, because of being with the Qur'an even more, he became naturally more excellent. Today, how much have we learned, brothers and sisters? And how excellent have we become as a result of what we've learned? Does that make sense? Food for thought. Tayyip. Let's move on. Ayah number 5. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that Nuh said, My Lord, indeed I invited my people to, to the truth night and day. And in ayah number 6, But my, inv- my invitation increased them not except in flight and them running away from me. In ayah number 7, he says, And indeed every time I invited them so that you may forgive them. Right? They put their fingers in their ears and they covered themselves with their garments and they persisted in this arrogance and they were arrogant with great with a great arrogance. Then he says in ayah number eight, then I invited them to you, Allah, publicly. And then I announced them, I, I invited them to you secretly, Ya Allah. Right? And then he says, Ya Allah, in ayah number ten, I said to them, Ask forgiveness from Allah. Indeed, He is the perpetual forgiver. And if you do so, in ayah number 7, Allah will send you rain from the sky. And He will uh, continue showering upon you with showers. And He will, in ayah number 12, and Allah will give you increase in wealth. And He will increase your children for you. And He will provide for you gardens. And He will provide for you rivers. Ayah number 13, what is the matter with you that you do not respect Allah the way He deserves to be respected? By returning to Allah and seeking forgiveness from Allah. Why don't you do this? What is wrong with you? When Allah has created you in stages, you existed as a blood clot, then as a hanging clot, then as a chewed piece of flesh, then you developed in the womb of your mothers over a period of nine months, then you were born weak, and then you were sustained with the will of Allah, and then your mind grew and your bodies grew and you developed independence, and then you reached a peak. And then you started moving to a different stage that was bringing you closer to the grave. What is wrong with you that you don't turn to Allah? That you don't seek forgiveness from Allah when Allah has done all this for you? In ayah number 15, do you not consider how Allah has created the heavens and the earth in layers? In ayah number uh, 16, and made the moon a reflected light and made the sun a burning lamp. In ayah number 17, and Allah has caused you to grow from the earth, a progressive growth. Ayah number 18, then He will return you to Allah. And He will extract an, uh, an extract another uh, extraction. We will be resurrected again. In ayah number 19, and Allah has made for you the earth vast and wide so you can move on it. You don't experience difficulties. In ayah number 20, so, so that you may follow there in the roads of passages. Right. So Nuh alayhi salam tells Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he did a lot of things. And in these ayat, 
from ayah number 5 to ayah number 20, Nuh alayhi salam is teaching us many principles of da'wah and many characteristics of da'wah. Let's summarize them very quickly. Very quickly. And he's the best person to teach us. Why? He did da'wah for 950 years. Very experienced, mashallah. Right? 950 years. He says, Ya Allah, I invited my people when it was dark. And I invited them during the day. I invited some people loud, talking to them in a loud way. For some people, they resonate when you tell them, when you speak to them in a loud way, in a commanding way. Other people, Ya Allah, I spoke to them softly and diligently. Because if you speak to them loud, they become scared. They close down, they stop listening to you. So I invited them softly. Some people, Ya Allah, I invited them in open sessions like this. This is da'wah in open sessions. While some people, Ya Allah, I gave them private sessions. Allahu Akbar. He's telling us the different ways that da'wah happens. And we spoke about this earlier. That we should make our life a living da'wah. Even if it's taking someone out for a meal. Even if it's taking them on a yacht. Alhamdulillah. Right? Make it a living da'wah. Even if you're remaining silent. But be diverse in your approach. Don't become a person that is so predictable. Because when you're predictable, you're boring. And when you're boring, no one listens to you. No. Be yourself. I'm not saying be somebody you're not. Right? Be yourself. Because when you're yourself, people love you. And when they love you, they follow you. And when they follow you, that means you're a true leader. Now many people ask me, how do I be a good leader? I say, be yourself. Be an original. Don't be a copy. Be an identity. Don't try and copy this person's style and that person's style. Be true to yourself. Be true to your values. When you're true to your values, people will love you. And when they love you, they will follow you. Does that make sense, brothers and sisters? So Nuh is describing to us. He was not saying, Ya Allah, I'm just telling you my Allah, I wasn't boring in my da'wah. I wasn't static in my da'wah. I was diverse in my da'wah. Right? I was dynamic in my da'wah, Ya Allah. And Ya Allah, I engaged the intellect in different ways. And I created an urgency in them in different ways. Some people, children matter to them. I told them, what would happen if they, if they follow me with regards to children? Some people, you know, it was about money and financial standing and material well-being. I told them about that. Some people, you know, they were interested in having gardens and, and, and abundant rain and so on and so forth. I put that across to them, that this will be a fruits of your piety. And also, Ya Allah, I didn't close the door to the hereafter. I told them to believe in the hereafter. And I told them there'll be fruits of unimaginable proportions there as well. Right? And you've heard many of the different citations that Nuh salam said, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us here. So we learn, my dear brothers and sisters, to be diverse in our approach. You know, even with your children, even with your wives, even with your husbands, even with your parents, be diverse. Respect the person in front of you. You know, in... in, in, in uh, in, in economics or in services today, they talk about himayat al-mustahlik. You know, meaning protection of the product. It's very important in business today. Especially when we live in a world of competition. Customer service is important. You've got to look after the feelings of the customer base. You've got to stakeholder management. Stakeholder management in business is a big thing. You've got to look after the donor. You've got to look after your staff. You've got to look after your clientele. All stakeholders, if, if your staff are feeling good, they work better. 
right? They stay with your company. They don't leave it. This is a very important matter, my dear brothers and sisters. Nuh alayhi salam is teaching us to look after the product. Be diverse. Respect their intellect. Respect their wishes. Don't put them down because this one's interested in children or this one's interested in making money. No. Because then that also sort of affects your sincerity. Doing da'wah shouldn't make yourself righteous, my dear brothers and sisters. We shouldn't have extremes in da'wah. One extreme is to feel you better than the person you're inviting and that's not good. It doesn't mean you have a beard and telling them to keep a beard that you're better than them. Judgment is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is Allah who will judge us on the day of Qiyamah. Allah didn't put this concept of judging on our shoulders, brothers and sisters. Don't be judgmental. She doesn't wear her hijab. She doesn't cover her feet or her hands or so on and so forth. Don't judge her. Because she loves Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But that doesn't mean you must enter another extreme. What is the other extreme? Where you stop doing da'wah. Where you say, no, I, I, I don't want to feel self-righteous. So I don't want, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. No, no. Islam is about doing da'wah and not feeling self-righteous when you do that da'wah. That is da'wah. You invite towards good. You prevent from evil without feeling that you are more saved than the person you're inviting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Does that make sense brothers and sisters? So Nuh alayhi salam is teaching us, respect people, respect their situations, don't belittle them. It doesn't matter, tell them Allah will increase your children for you, if you listen. Don't belittle them and say, what's wrong with you? you you're putting your, your whole uh, you know, salvation in, 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 in the temporary. Don't speak to people in a derogatory way. But at the same breath, don't oversimplify things and give people a false sense of hope and give them false security. No, be diverse in your da'wah, but be apt and appropriate. If some people say, no, we don't call them to Allah. It's not the right time. You know, call them to have bad manners. Yeah, brother, if, you, if they don't, the, if you sincerely want good for them, the best thing you will call them to is to Allah, but in the best way. Because if they die now without believing in Allah, where will the end be? If you really sincere, call them to Allah. This is another extreme in the da'wah, where we have people oversimplifying the religion, as if, you know, it's one of those kumbaya, kumbaya. <laughs> have we heard that? We see the toddlers from nursery, huh? I understood it to be one of those uh, songs you sing when you're all happy on a boat. And we are on a boat, by the way. <laughs> but everyone is singing kumbaya as if, no worry in the world. It's fine. It doesn't matter the state of your worship. It doesn't matter the state of your akhlaq. It doesn't matter, you know, how good your relationship is with Allah. Just be. No, brothers and sisters. This is life. This is not Jannah. This is life. There's difficulties. There's days for us. There's days against us. There's priorities. There's requirements. We need to be in the middle in the da'wah. Not oversimplifying and not over complicating. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Ameen. Brothers and sisters, we have um, 15 minutes before we observe Isha and then um, we have uh, our dinner. Bidnillahi ta'ala. Um, so let's move on very swiftly. Uh, but as a note, ayah number 5 to 20, I've just summarized it in terms of lesson. Nuh alayhi salam is teaching us uh, these matters. Uh, but I want you to now go home as homework and read through these ayat one by one in light of these different citations I've shared for you. Okay? And allow it to resonate with you. 
and then ask yourself, how am I with this new understanding that I've developed? When I do da'wah, do I do this? Do I think like this? And understand that, you know, strategizing in da'wah is ibadah as well. You know, when you plan how to be with people, that's an act of worship as well. Your jannah is becoming more beautiful as well. Alhamdulillah. Right? And we all have to do da'wah. Let's face it, even with our children. Raising your kids is da'wah, brothers and sisters. Raising our children is da'wah. We should respect the child's mind. I always say this, many of us as parents, we don't respect our children's mind. Right? We always just command them to do things. Do this, don't do that. Sit there, don't sit there. Sleep at this time. Wake up at this time. Get ready, wear your hat. No. Du'at nurture people. Rasulullah wasallam nurtured people. The best way to nurture people is to tell them why. If you don't have time to tell your child why you're telling them to do something or not to do something, then what kind of a da'i are you? That's why I don't think, you know, Surah Nuh is not for me. No, the whole Qur'an is for us. Say, I'm not going to be doing da'wah. No, you have to do da'wah. Even if it's raising your children. Tell them, don't play in the sun. You know why, my dear son? If you play at this time, the sun is very hot. There's ozone layer issues. There's UV rays. Don't say he's only a three-year-old. No, he'll understand. Trust me. Give it a try. Isn't it, Umar? You understand, isn't it? See, Umar, how old are you, Umar? Eleven, mashallah. They understand. Umar is sitting here with all the adults, mashallah, and he's taking notes. He has a book and a pen. Right? Some of the adults don't have books and pens. <laughs> Tell them why. Yes, your child might ask you ten whys afterwards. What is a UV ray? Why is the UV rays? What is this ozone layer? Why is... That's your, ch- that's your chance to bond with your child now. You've had this sitting and you've taught them things. They will remember it, brothers and sisters. May Allah grant us the understanding. So benchmark yourself, right? Because as we said, we want the Qur'an to change us. It's not a book that you just read. It's a book that you read and become better because of your, your reading. Is that clear? Tayyip. Now, in these ayat, very quickly, Nuh alayhi salam, he says to his people, فَقُلْتُ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ He's saying, Ya Allah, I told my people, seek forgiveness from Allah. And perhaps we'll just concentrate on this uh, for the last part of this episode. Um, the last part of Surah Nuh is about dua. And tomorrow we have a whole day about dua. Right? The brothers at Kalima have a seminar arranged. Inshallah, we'll be learning the, the book of dua from Riyadh al-Salihin. Okay? The book of dua from Riyadh al-Salihin. So we will, um, inshallah, discuss dua there. And we, we'll, we'll introduce tomorrow with this dua of Nuh alayhi salam. Inshallah. It's a good uh, way to end of today and start of tomorrow, inshallah. Let's focus on this istighfar. Nuh alayhi salam, from the beginning of the surah, he's telling his people, do good and Allah will forgive you. And now he's telling them another way to be forgiven. He's saying, seek forgiveness from Allah. Seek forgiveness from Allah. Why seek forgiveness from Allah? Seek forgiveness from Allah. Seek for, why time and time again? Why? Why? How many times is fasting mentioned in the Quran? How many times is the month of Ramadan mentioned in the Qur'an? How many times is Hajj mentioned in the Qur'an? But how many times is seeking forgiveness mentioned in the Qur'an? A lot, brothers and sisters. A lot. You know, we as human beings, we repeat things time and time again when it's important. When the ramifications of not doing something are great. Same way Allah is doing the same thing with us. Every juz. 
Seek forgiveness from Allah. Allah is the most forgiving, the most merciful. Seek forgiveness, seek forgiveness, seek forgiveness. Nuh salam is telling his people, what is wrong with you that you don't respect Allah? Respect Allah by seeking forgiveness from Allah. Understand, O servant of Allah and O child of Adam, that a people never became wretched, and a heart never became hardened, and a home never became a house, and thoughts never became disunited, and sustenance and wealth never became something depleted, and happiness was never lifted, and depression never became settled, except because of sins and lack of piety and lack of seeking forgiveness from Allah. Understand this. This is a universal law. You sin, you will live a difficult life. You do good, you will live a happy life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book, وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِي فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً ضَنْكًا وَنَحْشُرُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَعْمَى Allah says, whoever, whoever turns his back to the Qur'an and its teachings, the net result of doing so is that he will have a depressed life. A difficult life, a narrow life, a life that will lead to doom in the hereafter. Allah says, وَنَحْشُرُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَعْمَى And we will raise him on the day of Qiyamah blind. Why? Because of lack of istighfar. Why? Because of sins. Now obviously, you lived in this life while seeing. Right? So Allah says, this person will ask Allah on the day of Qiyamah, قَالَ رَبِّ لِمَ حَشَرْتَنِي أَعْمَى وَقَدْ كُنْتُ بَصِيرًا You say, Ya Allah, oh my Lord, why have I been raised blind? Why am I blind? I used to see when I used to live on earth. I used to see, why am I blind right now? Allah will answer back. قَالَ كَذَلِكَ أَتَتْكَ آيَاتُنَا فَنَسِيتَهَا وَكَذَلِكَ الْيَوْمَ تُنْسَى Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal, He says to this person, that just like our reminders came to you on earth, lessons came to you, the Qur'an was speaking to you. Every Jumu'ah you heard a reminder. You were on boats and you heard reminders, MashaAllah. Reminder after reminder reached you. But you chose to turn a blind eye. Just as you chose to do that, you will be forgotten today. And you will be blind. May Allah protect us. Ameen. In retrospect, Allah says, مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا مِّنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ Allah says, whoever does good deeds, from the males and the females. وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ And they believe us. They do good deeds. فَلَنُحْيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا Allah says, we will give you a happy life. You will live a happy life. And Allah goes on to say, and in the hereafter we will reward you with a reward far better than the work that you used to do. This is a universal law. Remember I told you, we should read the Qur'an and extract the universal laws. If you do this, this will happen. This is it brothers and sisters. 
So Nuh is saying, seek forgiveness from Allah. You know why? It is your sins that have put you in your predicament. It is your sins that has caused barakah to be lifted from your time. It is your sins that has caused barakah to be lifted from your wealth. It is your sins that have caused you to be in your situation with regards to your children. Seek forgiveness from Allah. Seek forgiveness from Allah. Because Allah is merciful. But it is your sinful state and it's that which your hands have done that have put a barrier over you, that has blocked the mercy of Allah reaching you. So seek forgiveness. Break down those barriers. Take a hammer and a pick and chisel at those barriers. Crack those barriers open so the mercy of Allah can reach you. And how do you do that? With istighfar. Istighfar is your chisel and your hammer. We're going to end just now, brothers and sisters. I know even my eyes are feeling itchy and red because of the dust. And I suffer from allergies. May Allah grant us cure. I can see your eyes as well. Some of your eyes are, are getting red as well. I'm sure mine are. I can feel the dryness of the eye. We're going to finish just now. But just bear with me. Bear with me. Allah will reward us. Alhamdulillah. Right? Seek forgiveness from Allah. If we only knew, my dear brothers and sisters, how good a friend istighfar was to us, we would never let it leave our lips. On the way to work, you'll be asking Allah for forgiveness. Once you're stuck in traffic, and let's face it, Dubai has some serious traffic, you'll be asking Allah for forgiveness. Right? At home, you'll be asking Allah for forgiveness. Some parents tell me, Sheikh, make dua for us. We're planning on having a child. I say, make, make sure you ask Allah to forgiveness more than you ever did. Before you try and whilst you're trying. It'll help you. You want to pass your exams? Ask Allah for forgiveness. You want to pass that job interview? Ask God Almighty for forgiveness. You want to get that job? Increase asking God Almighty for forgiveness. You want your cooking to come right? Yes. You're making that nice pot of biryani for your parents. Inshallah, and your husbands and your wives, for those who cook from the males. You want it to be perfect? Ask Allah for forgiveness. Wallahi, try it. Try it. There are difficulties in life. If you turn to Allah and ask for forgiveness, Allah will open for you in ways you'll never, you'll never understand. Today, subhanAllah, when we're in a problem, we get our mobile phone out. We're looking for our networks and our contacts. That's what we do. We get sick, we're looking for the medicine cabinet. We're looking for the doctor's phone number. Yes, we should do that. But before we do that, ask Allah for forgiveness. Because Allah says, فَبِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ You are what you in because of that which you did with your hands. But Allah says, وَيَعْفُوا أَنْ كَثِيرٌ Allah effaces the sin of the majority of many. So don't lose hope in Allah. Ask Allah for forgiveness. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us, when you're in difficulty, ask Allah for forgiveness. Allah will lift your difficulty. When you're sick, sicknesses remove our sin. Right? Help yourself get better quicker by helping yourself remove your sins. How? By istighfar. Let the sins move quicker. So you get better quicker. Does that make sense? You have problems with your children. Ask Allah for forgiveness. Whatever situation, this dark cloud that's over your home, Allah will lift it. Marital problems. Ask Allah for forgiveness. فَقُلْتُ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفَّارًا Allahu Akbar. He says, I'm telling them, Ya Allah, turn to Allah and seek forgiveness for your Allah is ghaffara. Ghaffara is a word in the Arabic language on one of the scales of hyperbolization. It's, it's heavily expressive. 
غفار فعال Nuh is telling his people that you are not calling to a Lord who just forgives, but you are calling to a Lord who perpetually forgives. There's no time out. There's no knockout time. He perpetually forgives. Call unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and seek forgiveness. My dear brothers and sisters, to end, understand that it is Allah who says, Ya Adam, لَوْ بَلَغَتْ ذُنُوبُكَ أَنَانِ السَّمَاءَ ثُمَّ اسْتَغْفَرْتَ لِي لَغَفَرْتُهَا لَكَ وَلَا أُبَالِي The O son of Adam, if you sinned and sinned, that your sins filled up the atmosphere. Even if you sinned that much, a thousand years of sin. Allah says, and then you turn to Allah, and you ask Allah to forgive you. Allah says, لَغَفَرْتُهَا لَكَ وَلَا أُبَالِي I will forgive your sins for you and it won't even matter to me. Allahu Akbar. Allah is saying, it won't matter to me. Whatever you've done, I am greater. Allah says, يَا ابْنَ آدَمْ O son of Adam, إِنَّكُمْ تُخْفِئُونَ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ وَأَنَا أَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا فَاسْتَغْفِرُوا لِأَغْفِرُ لَكُمْ He says, O son of Adam, you, may, you sin in the day and you sin at night. But it is Allah who forgives your sins. So seek forgiveness from Allah. And Allah doesn't say, I will forgive you. Allah says, consider yourself forgiven. La ilaha illallah. Allah doesn't say, ask me for forgiveness and then, you know, have doubt. Has Allah forgiven me or not? No. Allah is saying, have good, in hope. have good hope in Allah. That you have gotten up from your place the day you were born. The day you found yourself when you were born. Forgiven. It's easy for Allah. He's ghaffar, He perpetually forgives. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who was free from sin, he used to practice in a gathering, in a sitting, istighfar 70 times or 100 times. If he did it, my dear brothers and sisters, when he was free from sin, what about you and me? What about you and me? Yeah, we're ending just now, barakallahu feek. What about you and me? Let's take from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and let's take this guidance of istighfar from Nuh alayhi salam, and from the Qur'an, and from Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, all the anbiya who were taught by Allah taught us to never lose hope in Allah and to be people of istighfar. May Allah inspire us to seek forgiveness from Him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive our sins, our past, our current and our future. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from being a victim of our own actions. May Allah protect us from being a victim of our sins. Ameen. And may Allah cause us to die whilst He's pleased with us. And may Allah cause us to have a grave when, which, is a, which is a garden from the gardens of Jannah. A grave for the people who are forgiven. May Allah gather us underneath His arsh on the day of Qiyamah all together. On a day where there will be no shade except for the shade that will be generated from the arsh of Allah. Ameen. May Allah grant us Jannah without accountability. And if Allah is going to take us to account, may Allah grant us our book of deeds in our right hands. Ameen. May Allah grant us speed on the bridge leading to Jannah and protect us from falling into Jahannam. Ameen. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us Jannah with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And may Allah grant us in that Jannah our own yachts. And may Allah grant us not just palaces, but palaces that are next to the palace of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or his palaces. And may Allah grant us a sitting with him so we can tell him happily in Jannah of one warm evening in Dubai <laughs> in 2015 that we came together 
on a creation from the creations of Allah on a boat and in a characteristic way learned from the inheritance left behind by he sallallahu alayhi wasallam on a boat may Allah give us the opportunity to share this message with him sallallahu alayhi wasallam my dear brothers and sisters all good things must come to an end I love you all for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala everything correct said is from Allah and he's perfect and any mistakes are from myself and shaytan and I seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness may Allah accept this from us ameen and make it heavy on our skills of good deeds brothers and sisters let's not make this the end of our time together uh, please uh, visit my website sajidumar.com uh, on the, uh, via the website you can communicate with me there's articles and, and, and other stuff there for you to benefit from inshallah and there are links to my social media pages on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and so on and so forth. I do interact with, um, with people uh, via social media. So please join me there. Because as I said, da'wah doesn't mean hit and run. Right? Right? We need to hit and we need to run together, inshallah. We can be in our own places, but we have technology which Allah has blessed us with, you know, in our palms to help us be together, inshallah. I love you all for the sake of Allah once again. Subhanallah wa bihamdi, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabiyina Muhammad. Brothers and sisters, just very quickly, uh, the brothers have told me that we've made history here actually. Because it's the first time Allah has been worshipped on these waters like this. Is this correct to this in life? MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. Allah Kareem, Alhamdulillah. May Allah accept from us.